Podcasting, The Final Frontier. This is the Hammer Podcast. It's 30-minute mission to rehash geeky topics, to seek out new bastions of nerdiness, to timidly go where the more talented have gone before. Greetings, and welcome to the Hammer Podcast, the official podcast of thehammerstrikes.com. My name is Gene Hendricks, and I have a special guest with me here tonight, all the way from the gleaming spires of Chicago, the host and entire voice cast of Radio Free Asgard, Mr. Tom Harris. How are you doing tonight, Tom? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate you, know, you raising the level of my show a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you I, you only have about 50 times more episodes than I do. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's not quantity that counts, it's quality. Yeah, okay, you're about 50 times the quality of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I, think, I think everybody kind of looks at their own podcast as being not as good as it should be, and that's kind of where I am ever since I started podcasting way, way back. So it, it's always a pleasure to be, like I said, when I was on Back to the Bins, it's always a great pleasure to be on a show that I don't have to edit. Yes, I, I found that joy myself recently. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what we're going to be talking about tonight is changes to comic book characters. Uh, not changing necessarily a costume or anything, but fairly major stuff. Now, I've spoken a little bit about this before on, uh, I think it was episode two, but... Let me hear your take, Tom. How do you feel about companies changing comic characters? Well, I have a complicated set of feelings about it, I'll be honest. And it really depends a lot on on the character. It depends on the status quo of the series. It depends on a lot of different factors. Now, I happen to be a long-suffering Legion of Superheroes fan, so you know what that means. The, the characters have been changing continuously since the 1950s. You know, for, first they were from the 30th century, then they were from the 21st century for a story, then they're back to being the 30th century again, then they got rebooted, and there's been a million different versions of the, of the Legion of Superheroes. So on one level, I'm really used to it. Hmm. I think the, you know, when you're talking about in general, I think that it's almost inevitable that characters change. I mean, you talk in the 1960s with DC when they rebooted The Flash and, and all of a sudden The Flash isn't Jay Garrick anymore. Oh my gosh, you know, how can The Flash be anybody but Jay Garrick? And you see that all throughout DC history in particular in the, in the Silver Age. But you even see it a little bit at Marvel back then too and changes that they made kind of, kind of along the way. They, I think with Marvel, it was more changing things on the fly. You know, the, the, they didn't count on certain characters being as popular as they were, so they had to kind of <laughs> would say, "Well, we're going to have to change that now. That's not going to work." <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to trying to think of a good example. I think uh, maybe broadly, you know, the Submariner would be a good example of that because uh, you know, back in the in the Golden Age, he was more more of a bad guy than anything else. Perhaps, well, maybe the antihero, but maybe a little bit more sinister of an antihero than he later became. So I think that change, as far as comic characters are concerned, I mean, that's something that's always happened. It's something that always will happen. And to me, it's more, is this a good story or not? Is this a good direction for the book or not? If it's not a direction that I like, I'm, you know, then I'm just going to stop buying the book. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I feel. I mean, I'm, I'm actually more 
for change than a lot of comic book readers because I want my comics, I want to have the characters progress. Mm -hmm. I want to see them grow up, possibly grow older, have maybe Wally West take over for Barry Allen as the Flash and have that happen organically like it did after the crisis. I want to see them get married, have kids. I'm not one of these people that likes everything to stay in the second act. You know, I want it to keep going. And the main thing I point to is John Byrne's uh, Superman, Batman Generations. Mm -hmm. You read that, you can see the possibility of doing a long story arc. And even Stan Lee was doing this back when uh, the Marvel Age started. Because I've been reading a lot of uh, classic X-Men recently. And it's real quick how they go from being teenagers at the School for Gifted Youngsters to graduating to doing postgraduate studies. Jean Grey goes off to college. You know, Peter Parker was the same way. He aged and graduated high school, went to college. Then they suddenly realized, you know, if we want these characters to be around for a while, we got to slow down. Yeah. You know, originally it was pretty much one for one with real time, and then they slowed it down, but now you have the sliding time scale, and it gets all goofy. Right. I think I think at some point back in the 60s, uh, Stan realized that, you know, in 20 years, Peter Parker was going to be 40, and it wasn't going to be <laughs> feasible in the long term. And but but you know they did a lot of stuff within the context of the of the continuity. So mm-hmm. you know you have uh, you know Reed and Sue get married in the Fantastic Four. Then you know they end up having Franklin, and that all happens over a period of uh, well five or six years. Yeah, and then they immediately start slowing it down. I mean Franklin is still I believe a preteen in the in the comic series now, forty years later. And now and of course now you said as they say they have the sliding time scale now. So they can still age characters, but they have to do it really, really slowly. Right. And and otherwise, you're going to lose something. You're going to, you, yeah. Again, the comics fans are some comics fans are really against messing around with with characters. But I think there's a case to be made sometimes for messing around with characters when you get a book that's not selling well. You get a character that is maybe a little bit stagnant, and I I think. Um, and I know that there's some podcasters out there that would strangle me for this, but I think that that was kind of the situation that we had pre-crisis Superman, where there was so much past continuity, and there was only so many types of stories that they could tell anymore, and it was time to to shake it up a little bit. And you know, Superman, of course, is an extremely versatile character, but people have. I think the the fans had a certain expectation. This is the type of story you can tell with Superman. If you have this kind of story, this is more suited to you know Captain Marvel or Batman or another character. And there's some characters that can take that change better than others. I think that there's some characters who are maybe thematically more versatile than others. I think Batman's a good example of, of a character that you can do almost anything with. And I would argue that with the right writer, you could have any character you know, be that versatile, but it takes somebody who has a real talent for it. And it's not something that you can just kind of throw off on a freelancer necessarily and, and have it come out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems to be part of the problem when you're doing this kind of thing, like with Superman, you had John Byrne restart it. And a lot of people were upset with him initially saying that, oh, well, he marvelized Superman, he disregarded all this stuff. You actually look at Burns' run on the Superman titles, and he 
didn't do a whole lot that hadn't already been done before. He just updated it. He didn't have any new villains, basically. They just got changed around. You know, Brainiac went from being a robot to being a sideshow mentalist that had been possessed by an alien. Mm -hmm. But he's still Brainiac. He still has the mental powers. He's still out to get Superman. He still wore pink for whatever reason. (laughs) (laughs) For the same reason that that Cosmic Boy does. It's not pink. It's pale scarlet. Come on. Um, No, yeah, it's a good point there. You know, when Byrne took over Superman, actually, it got me more interested in the character because I, I like the idea of of having that sort of ground floor experience with Superman and mm-hmm. some of the stories that were told not necessarily by Byrne but but that came after like in the in the Dan Jurgens era of Superman I was collecting those books then and oh, some of the, some of the stuff was fantastic I mean it was a lot fresher than stuff that had you know been prior to, to Crisis. However, it really did jack up the Legion of Superheroes. I keep mentioning them because it's probably my my favorite series overall, uh, <laughs> you know, throughout my life. Um, and it really jacked it up with the absence of Superboy and and the editorial decrees. Thou shalt not have Superman connections. And so that's that's kind of a pet peeve of one of the changes that I didn't like back in the day. And and but I was you know in my my early twenties when when Crisis of Inf- on Infinite Earths hit. And all of those changes in the DC universe, I thought, wow, this this is pretty cool. I, I was really enjoying the ride. Yeah, I I like change when it's progressive like that. I I don't know what it is, but it seems like anytime DC reboots, Batman and Green Lantern are exempt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you know anything that moves things forward gives you a fresh take. I don't like the tone or the writing of the new Fifty Two. But that doesn't mean I don't like the fact that they have it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not for me, but there are people out there that, that love what's going on. So go for it. I have my era. You have your era. Perfect. What I don't like is reversing. And you've covered this fairly recently with the, uh, the post-Simonson run on Thor. They basically took everything he did with Asgard and said, no, we don't like that. We're going back to Kirby. Right. And that I don't like just because you had this long run, which was acclaimed. People loved it. And you're just going to ignore it without giving a, at least a reason. Give me why it suddenly went backwards. That would be a good, really good point. And, and I might have made it or I might not have made it back on my show. But th- there needed to be something more than just what we got because we went from having the – of course, you know, we, we actually came into the Simonson run of having this sort of generic medieval Asgard that looked more like something out of English, you know, Middle Ages than Norse. And then we went okay, full Norse with, with Walt Simonson and, you know, all these really spectacular Viking designs and things. And that was an aspect of the Simonson run, like most of the aspects of the Simonson run, that I was really, really fond of. And then they went just full Kirby afterwards. And you'd think that they would have at least explained it or maybe maybe they just didn't want to have to come up with a good explanation for it. That, that's possible. Yeah, I mean... I- I know you you may tick off more people coming up with a halfway done explanation than no explanation. It was Odin's interior decorator, you know, retired, and they had to find somebody new. And all you know, all they could find was the the guy who designed Zemla. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, the best explanation I can come up with. So, if Stan, if you want to give me a no prize, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> the Grand Vizier had a, a hankering to go back to what the the decorations were before. Right. I think the, a good 
explanation anything involving Asgard as it was magic. Mm-hmm. It was an untold tale of Asgard where where Asgard was attacked by the Norn Queen or something, and she just waved her magic wand and transformed it all into super futuristic again. Um, but at the same time, he, they did away with with everything that made it distinctly Nordic. And, right. and now it's sort of generic superhero far future. It could be the the far future of Zarko, the Tomorrow Man, and um, minus all the poverty and stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you notice there, there's no bums in Asgard. <laughs> uh, there, there, there's not like street people hanging around on the street corner in Asgard. <laughs> even, even in the even in the Simonson run, and and a, and a kind of a lack of them in the in the real world as well. Well, I mean, it's idealistic. Really, you know, and still, you know, going from Simonson to straight up Kirby is better than making it Candyland. Right. But we won't get into that. <laughs> I, I think that's but I, I think that's a good example, though, and without getting into it too deeply of, of a change that's made for no reason that doesn't work. It's I'll say and I, we're of course, we're referring to what Jason Aaron did on Thor, God of Thunder um, in his portrayal of Alfheim. And Alfheim, as, as far as I know, has never been portrayed in the Marvel Universe before in any detail. So this was kind of, a, I think, a blank slate for him. I think most of the writers of Thor going back, at least you know, I haven't read all of Thor, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they didn't touch every aspect of, of the nine worlds. And I don't know if they even went to all of the nine worlds back during the you know, 40 years of Thor. Because they generally would have their adventures on Earth or perhaps in Asgard, and then maybe off in deep space somewhere. They didn't really tend to explore the, the Norse cosmology that much. So I, I give them kudos for wanting to take that chance and, and show us Svartalfheim, which was actually pretty cool. And uh, then Alfheim, which, which is you know, people with candy cane farms and didn't make much sense. But like I said, you know, this is one of those changes that I, I don't like it but it's one of those things that they can just retcon away. I mean, the next writer who comes on Thor, if they decide to go back to Alfheim, they can say, well, that was, it was Christmas or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's basically our take on generic changes. Why don't we take a break now and we'll come back and we'll talk about some uh, specific stuff that we've been thinking of. Cool. This is the Old Father Odin, and you should be listening to Radio Free Asgard. No, no, that's just not going to work. Let's try this again. This is the evil Loki, and if you hate Thor as much as I do, you should be... All right, let's just try one more thing. Jane Foster here, and you should be... Ah, risen. All right, let's just keep this simple. Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Harris, and I do a podcast called Radio Free Asgard, which airs every Thursday over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. We cover the adventures of Thor, Hercules, and more from ancient times all the way up into the present day. We read old comics and make fun of them. I do ridiculous voices and generally make an ass of myself. So if that sounds fun to you, you should come join us, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. And we'll see you there. Hey, Michael. Hey, Dad. We need to record another new trailer. Another one? Yes. You know that we read comics and then talk about comics, because as we've established, talking about comics you've not read is just dumb. Yeah, and you make me do it every Thursday. Well, we've moved. Have we? Yes, we have outgrown our old location. I don't feel like I've moved. And we have now moved to twotruefreaks.com. 
What was that again? TwoTrueFreaks.com A-Kids Comics, still every Thursday at TwoTrueFreaks.com It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? To portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Short Box Showcase. And we're back. And now I think we need to address the Asgardian elephant in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marvel has made some changes recently, uh, and I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this has heard about it by now. And for those of you listening in about a year, uh, you'll wonder why we're making such a big deal, because it's all changed back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they have decreed that Steve Rogers has lost his... Super Soldier Serum, and this time that he lost it, he changed back into pre-war Steve, ah. the, the weakling. And Sam Wilson, the Falcon, is going to be taking over his role. And then they've also said that Thor is going to be disgraced, and from the art, apparently, lose an arm. And his name, power, and role will be assumed by a as-yet-unnamed woman. Dun, dun, dun. Now, why don't we tackle the Thor one first, since that's probably closest to both our hearts. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, this is not a good change, and I'll explain why. I wouldn't mind it if this was Thor being injured or something, and someone like Sif takes up the hammer and assumes the power of Thor. I'd have absolutely no problem with that. But the main reasoning behind this is they want more female readers. So they're telling the female readers, well, this horse-headed cyborg alien was able to pick up Thor's hammer and obtain his power and keep it with no real trickery. But for a woman, we got to disgrace him and you can pick up the leavings. And I don't think that's really the message that you really should be sending. (laughs) How do you feel that, Tom? Well, first of all, I'm not one of those people who usually makes a big deal out of, out of changes because, like you say, it's going to go back in a year. They're not going to get rid of, of the real Thor as Thor, and, and I don't even think they're getting rid of him in the series. But this is a stunt. As much as it's an annoying change, I don't think of it as being – it's not a permanent status quo change, obviously. We've got Avengers 2 coming out after all. So by the time Avengers 2 comes out, we're going to have the real Thor back. The other point that I would make here – and well, first of all, we don't know that it's not Sif with the hammer. Unless she dyes her hair. Well, Sif originally had gold hair. In her first appearance in the Marvel Universe, she had gold hair. Well, in the lore, she has gold hair. Sure. 
So it could be Sif. You know, she could be doing the Black Canary. <laughs> when she taps the hammer on the ground, it, it colors her hair. Oh, how sexist is that? Oh, man. Well, that, the first time that Thor was a woman that I can think of, we talked about this on my show uh, back in episode 68, was a, was a what-if issue where uh, Jane Foster uh, became a Thor, or maybe more properly Thordis, and, and which I think was a, a complete abomination. It was a good story, and it was, it was well-written and well-drawn. But luckily, it was a one-shot. It was a one shot, and and but I'm not the biggest fan of Jane Foster, as everyone knows. But uh, <laughs> but I don't think that this changes for us. The, I think that that's that's really what it boils down to. When Marvel is pulling the stunt, and to this this one in particular, but I think also the the Captain America stunt, which is basically the same thing, they're not targeting the longtime reader. They don't really care necessarily about the longtime reader in this case because this is marketing this isn't a a continuity thing that's going to stay forever and ever and they know i think that the fans are going to realize that but this is targeting people who maybe saw the thor movie or saw the two captain america films and basically their world what they know are those characters and now we've seen the falcon in in winter soldier now they have, okay, well, now we have the Falcon is coming and he's taking over Captain America. Five years ago, people would say, Falcon, what? So there's got to be some connection here with the marketing for the movies. And you know, that's how people are going to know who this is. This is why it's national news. Now, I find it really irritating as pissed that they're they're putting this on the view. But that is actually another indicator that this isn't for us. This is for the public out there who aren't necessarily comics fans and Marvel is trying to use this sort of casting stunt in their, in the comics to draw more people into comics. And let's face it, comics is a troubled medium. The sales figures have been dropping steadily since the 1960s and you know, they, they need all the readers they can get. As far as, as I'm concerned, as far as these, these changes, we know they're not permanent. I'm I'm willing to take a le- wait and see attitude towards it because I want to see whether it's a good story or not. Uh, I'm a lot less annoyed by the fact that some woman is going to be you know, possessing the power of Thor than I am about them bringing this this Angela character into the Marvel universe. I, I think that's another stunt, but I think it's I'm more bothered by that because because basically they're just saying F- you to Todd McFarlane. They bought the characters; they got to fit it in somewhere. The fi- uh, tying her to Thor and Loki is kind of really strange. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't last, uh, or maybe they'll forget about her. Maybe they'll say, "Oops, no, she was wrong." You know, she's she's actually related to you know somebody else. Um, they'll, they'll do a power girl with her and change her. <laughs> that that bothers me more than this whole female Thor thing. And like I said, I'm willing to wait and see whether it's a good story or not, because ultimately that's all I care about. If, oh yeah. If I'm entertained by the story, if I think they they do a good job with it, then I'm willing to go along for the ride. Yeah, and going back to when they had somebody else actually assume Thor's role for an extended period with Eric Masterson, mm-hmm. that was a lot more organic. Mm-hmm. That that grew out of the foundation they laid in the story over a number of issues. I mean, initially Masterson was his own person, then he got hurt, and the only way Thor saved him is to merge with him like he had been with Donald Blake. Mm-hmm. Then Thor, his soul, gets banished. And in order to keep somebody in the role, they just let Masterson's 
mind take over Thor's body. Mm-hmm. That is a nice slow progression, makes sense in the story. This is just so much a blatant stunt. Mm-hmm. And it goes to the, I think, the root of the problem with comics is they're always trying to bring in new readers, but at the expense of the older readers. I think Marvel is hoping that the older readers are going to keep reading. Um, yeah. I, you know, because we've seen how many... I've been including Captain America in all this discussion mm-hmm. along, but how many people have been Captain America over the years? So I think back in back when I was reading comics most actively, there had only been like three, <laughs> and I think <laughs> now it's it's you know over twenty. Yeah, well, it's just it's been three in the past few years, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and now now that, you know everybody and their mother has been Captain America, and you know Aunt May is next, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Captain America. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's 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 a little Radio Free Asgard type humor coming out here. No, I I, I don't. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not as bothered by it maybe as some people because because I, all I really care about is the story. But it does bother me that that Marvel thinks that they have to resort to this kind of a stunt in order to get people to read the comics. If the comics are done well, then I think that they're going to pick up an audience. But people who, who read comics generally aren't going to find out about new comics from The View. Or uh, I'm trying to remember the other show. that they- uh, It was Colbert. Oh, it was Colbert. Okay. Well, yeah. well I'm, I'm sure a lot of comics readers do watch Colbert. And, of course, he's being the, the big Captain America fan that he is. Uh, it, would, it would almost make sense to... Because they gave him mm-hmm. Captain America's shield, after all. So yeah, there, there you go. Um, so he is Captain America. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's something to be said for not messing with things too much. But again, I, do, I don't see these as major status quo changes. I, I think it'd be really cool if on the the uh, first Captain America issue with uh, Sam Wilson as as Cap, they could say uh, Captain America is the Falcon instead of Captain America and the Falcon. <laughs> I think that, that would be cute. Now the Captain America one, I I actually have no problem with that. I don't like the way they're they're going about you know depowering Steve Rogers, but if you look at the people that have worked with Captain America over the years. The Falcon is number one on the list. I mean, he actually shared the title for, what, seven years? Sure, yeah. You know, so it it makes perfect sense both in the comic story to give that to Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense in the movie chronology because if Chris Evans is going to retire from acting and you have this huge breakout character of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's a perfect fit. You know, slide the Falcon right into the Captain America suit and you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, one of the things that has been, you know, they've, they've been plugging this as, gosh, you know, Captain America is going to be black. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Captain America already black? I think there was a, well, they did that story with like the first Captain America before Steve Rogers. Yeah, the it was like a Tuskegee kind of thing where they tested the super soldier serum on a black guy to make sure it was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that character has stuck around at all, but it's not the first time that, that Captain America has been somebody else, and it's not the first time he's been African American either. Right. So, I mean, that just adds some some credence to this idea that they're really going after the movie audience. Obviously, a lot more people saw Captain America Winter Soldier than read the Captain America comic every month. And if they can get 1% of those people to buy the Captain America comic, it's going to be the best-selling comic ever, probably. Right. Because how many millions of people saw Captain America Winter Soldier? And so... 
I think that that's a, a very juicy fruit hanging above <laughs> Marvel's head. It's going to give them that much more incentive to pull these stunts and to try to get more people interested in, in the comics. And you can argue that everyone does it. I mean, we, we've seen, the, oh my gosh, they killed Superman. You know, that, of course, that was years ago. Oh my God, they, they're killing Archie. You know, it, it's the kind, kind of the same thing. You know, well, people are going to remember these characters from being young or they're going to remember them from the movie and they're going after now because comics aren't being marketed towards kids. Oh, no. They're, they're being marketed to adults and a lot there's a lot of nostalgia value in these characters. Yeah, well, what would make me feel better about it is if I'm wrong, if they do <laughs> not change back in time for Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if they stick to it and they're they make it less of a stunt and more of no, this is the new continuity. I'll feel a little bit better about it because you know it, it's just the the blatantness, especially of the Thor one. That yes, we want more female readers. We won't give an existing strong woman a book. We'll just you know change one of the male characters into female. It's just so in your face. This is a stunt right. <laughs> that it, it's a little off putting. But I'm buying comics from the 80s and 90s right now. I'm not buying the current stuff, so it really doesn't affect me at all. And I'll be honest, uh, the only comics I'm buying right now are for the show. So you know, I was buying two you know DC New 52 titles. Both of them have been canceled. So. I'm not buying anything by DC, so that means that the only things I'm buying are related to Thor. Yeah, it's more as the pity. I mean, the changes that you know the between Marvel now and and DC's New Fifty Two, they've failed to grab me. Now, granted, I was only buying a few titles before that. My most active collecting days ended around 1996, and it was just getting to that point of the extreme 90s. <laughs> and it was at that point where I realized. Gosh, most of the comics I'm reading now have turned to shit. And, and so I just kind of basically cold turkey, stopped buying everything except for a handful of titles. Mm-hmm. Over the years, all of those have either ended or been you know canceled or, or so forth. Yeah, well, even now, as we're recording this, yesterday, Walt Simonson came out with a brand new book called Ragnarok. Ah, boy. Which I would love to get, but he posted on Facebook, hey, this is out today. And I actually commented on it, and he laughed. He actually <laughs> replied to me. Uh-huh. But I commented on it that even if the All-Father himself were to draw this, I would not pay three ninety nine for a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's insane, you know? Not when I can wait a month, and it'll be on sale digitally for $0.99. Cents. Right, yeah. And I'm one of those people who, who actually does like to have a printed copy of it. And as much as I hate to say it, I'm waiting for the trade on this. As much as I love Walt Simonson, and, and I've had some dialogue with Walt over the years, and, and especially when I was covering his run on Thor, and uh, is just one of the nicest creators that I've I've ever dealt with. You know, but as, as much as I hate to say it, I'm going to wait for the trade on this, and it's because I don't want to pay three ninety nine for an issue either. I'd rather pay. Twelve ninety nine or whatever it is for a trade now for all of the the story at once, and that's been one of the the other things that we, that I've been talking back and forth with one of the listeners about is that one of one of our listeners really wants me to cover Fear itself, and that's a daunting task. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, and it, because it is basically it's Thor and Captain America. That's the, what the story is about. And there's so many tie-ins, some of which are important and some of which aren't. 
And it just goes to, to show you, I mean, these events can cost a lot of money if you want to invest in them. And, and even if you're going to buy trades, there's, you know, if there's 100 issues, you're going to have 25 trades. Yeah, I mean, you're getting some, some real money there, and it's, it's money that, that we don't all necessarily have. Yeah, I like a paper comic, but anymore, I just don't have the space, mm-hmm. you know? All I'm going to do is read it. I'm not ever going to sell it for a profit or slab it or anything. I'm just going to read it. So I might as well just, if I can, you know, get them digitally. Like, I just got a mess of old X-Men from from the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm reading them on my tablet. And it's great. I've never read these before. I've, I know that the stories happen, but I've never read them. And, you know, they were 99 cents a piece. Mm-hmm. You know, where where am I going to get an X-Men number one for 99 cents? Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, you know, you could probably uh, get them off the back of a cereal box or something. Uh, you know, th- there are all kinds of uh, reprints and stuff that you, you could get that, that would be a lot cheaper than getting the original. No, it, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it, it's really become something that, and I, this is, almost certainly why you know comics don't sell nearly as well now is that everyone has to have you know really good paper really good printing you know, mm. really good production that's expensive i used to work in the printing industry and i am still to this day flabbergasted at how expensive paper is and so you know to produce these paper comics takes a lot of money and the companies need to make a profit and that's that's the problem now i think digital is the way things are moving you know i've got 32 long boxes of of paper comics in my apartment that frankly i would love to be rid of (laughs) (laughs) as much as as this is a a, you know a collection from 1975 to present day yeah some titles obviously more than others but yeah i think the cost is is keeping you know of course young readers away young readers they they have you know four bucks they're generally not going to spend it on on a comic Right. Um, and, you know, with the cost of, uh, you know, producing a digital comic and distributing a digital comic is really minimal. And they're making a lot of money off those comics, even at 99 cents. Yeah, but the problem is that all the new ones that come out, they're cover price. The digital is cover price. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to pay three ninety nine for a digital comic? Instant gratification. Yeah. That, that's, I, I, I don't need that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, I I read Thor for however many years. Uh, for, it wasn't 40 years, but uh, 20-something years I was buying buying the, uh, the, uh, the original comics. And most of the, the stuff that I do on the show, I'm, I'm actually reading off CBRs. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. You know, I, I'm not keeping them. You know, it's not, uh, you know, once, once I've read the issue, it's gone and, and they just go away. But it's interesting going back through this, you know, years of history and reading these Thor comics that I didn't read in the original run. Because most of what I'm covering right now is either, you know, when it, some of the Lee Kirby stuff, but that was before I started collecting comics. Right. And then the stuff I'm covering right now on the show, the DeFalco Friends run, was right after I stopped buying Thor. And I actually stopped buying Thor in the middle of the Simonson run. Really? Yeah, it, it was actually, it was after Simonson stopped doing the art. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, it was when, when Salbi Sema took over the art, I got to the, the Justice Peace story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and after the Justice Peace story, it's like, you know what? I don't need to buy this comic anymore. <laughs> well, that that wasn't for the art. That's because he brought Jane Foster back into the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for one story. Um, I actually 
uh, Walt Simonson has really impressed me over the years uh, that, that he he never did really bring Jane Foster in. Um, that was I think that was the only story of his run that she actually appeared in. That was it. It was two issues, yeah. and it was just the nod. Yeah, I know she's here. She's happy. Leave her alone. Right, and I'd like to think that that uh, Walt doesn't like Jane Foster as much as I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put you this way: you like Jane Foster more than I like Donald Blake. <laughs> And that's one of the best things Walt Simonson ever did. He's got rid of Donald Blake. And that was a great story. Oh, it was. I was always rather hot and cold on Don Blake. I'll have to tell you, you know, he was not a character that, that I really cared about, but I didn't hate him either. You know, if he's well-written, he's well-written. But that story where they did away with the Don Blake persona altogether, it was so well told that I totally bought it. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, great. You know, now now we don't have to worry about him worrying about every time he drops his hammer that he's going to change back into lame Dr. Blake. And I mean lame in more than one sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, they, they brought him back. I mean, you know, much later, you know, Ugh, Mike yeah. Straczynski brought him back. But it's, it's just one of those things. It was, a, it was a status quo change that worked. And I didn't miss Donald Blake. I didn't miss Jane Foster either, you know, when, when they wrote her out. Right. And, and you know, there, there's other characters that, that are even less memorable that, you know, you know, there's some supporting cast characters from from the early 80s that I don't even remember their names. You know, when when they moved, they moved Thor to Chicago. Right. And they tried to reestablish, you know, they wanted to have some superhero somewhere other than New York. And, of course, none of the creators ever having been to Chicago didn't know what Chicago looked like or anything like that. And we had we had one one artist writer who was able to to capture Chicago in a few panels and that was Simonson as he was getting rid of that whole entire song. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh well that's a recognizable landmark, you know. <laughs> but we are getting way off the subject. Yes, we are. And I since we are so far off the subject, I'm just gonna deem that we're done with the subject. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so the the basic wrap up everyone is some change is good, some change is annoying, but change always happens, especially in comic books. So just deal with it. And if it's a good story, then then just sit back and enjoy the ride, is all I can say. And if it's a bad story, don't spend your money on it. Exactly. Well, you know, because you, you can listen to a show like ours, and eventually uh, somebody will get to those issues and tell you all about them. Could be 30 years from now, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate your time. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? You can find me on iTunes. My show is called Radio Free Asgard. And you can also find me over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. You can find all of my episodes on, on the website and only the last 15 or so on iTunes for reasons I'm not sure of. Maybe maybe some enterprising listeners out there can tell me how to, how to fix that. Um, and uh, you can also uh, join our Facebook group. We have a Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. And uh, yeah, we need all the members we can get. So come, come join us. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. All right. See you next time, everybody. Later. The Hammer Podcast is a production of thehammerstrikes.com. Questions and comments can be emailed to gene at thehammerstrikes.com. Look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.